Hello, and welcome to the Picture Books to Gangs interview series, Picture Books and Justice. Picture Books and Justice is a series where we interview a creator from the picture book world and get to know them a little better. To us, there's nothing better than a beautiful, spellbinding picture book that has social justice themes. PB&J is your afternoon book snack, so let's dig in. Hi everyone, Future Corey here, and I am so excited about this episode. We actually recorded it about a week before Space Matters came out, and so now it's out in the world. It's really cute, and I hope that you enjoy this interview with both of the creators. Hi everyone, welcome back to another segment of Picture Books and Justice. This is Corey here, and today I am delighted to be able to interview both author Jackie Lynn Schiller and illustrator Lydia Nichols of the newly released picture book, Space Matters. Thank you so much both for being here today. Thank you for having us. Hi, yeah, thanks for having me. First, I wanted to talk a little bit about how both of you got into your chosen professions. So Jackie, can you talk a little bit about why you got into writing? Because I can't draw, number one, <laughs> which I really think I do. But I've always written. I was like the kid that wrote poems, made homemade cards for everyone instead of buying them. And when I grew up and went to college, I did not know what I wanted to do. And I tried to do like international business law. And luckily, my brain was, what are you thinking? And I ended up in a creative writing program. And I moved to New York and to pay bills, worked in copywriting for a while. But that led to all kind of wordsmith jobs, like writing about film, travel, food. But um, when I became an aunt, that sparked the whole kids' book thing. And luckily, now I have one out, although the kids are a little older. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Lydia, how did you get into illustration? I think like most kids, I just drew a lot, but perhaps unlike most kids, I never stopped drawing. I remember doing a project in elementary school, one of those all about me things that asked, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I wrote down either a veterinarian or a cartoonist. And I'd <laughs> like to think I struck somewhere in the middle by being an illustrator that often is illustrating anthropomorphic animals. So, you know, making childhood dreams come true. But I come from a family that's mostly math and science people. And I think I was a little bit of, of the odd one out. That said, everyone was really supportive. And, and my family has a creative streak, you know, with crafts and music and stuff like that. Uh, but they were all really supportive. And, and like Jackie, after college, I moved to New York and did jobs that were tangentially related to illustration. <laughs> right. um, <laughs> My first job was editing specks of dust off of watches. So I was doing a lot of Photoshopping. But that entire time, I just, you know, it's about being, I think, really persistent and not stopping. So there was always drawing happening and, and looking for any opportunity to get paid to draw specifically. And, you know, it just took a lot of, a lot of years, a lot of relentless focus and work and now I get to do it and people give me money for it and um, that's pretty great. <laughs> that is pretty rad. Also, I had no idea it was a job to Photoshop specks of dust off of anything, much less watches. <laughs> that's fascinating. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I was also a sign artist at, at a Whole Foods market, which was sort of, you know, the nice mid-step between watch dust, Photoshopping and illustration. 
Cool. That always did look really fun to me. I'm also impressed both of you could live in New York City because I find New York City so overwhelming. But you're in Boston. I am in Boston. Yeah. I'm trying to flee to the woods. Trying (laughs) very hard. (laughs) Well, Um, I fled. uh, I fled myself. But New York was fun. It's exciting. Lydia, you said you're still in New York City? No, I've I've been a lot of places since then. I moved to Philadelphia for grad school and then I moved to Oakland, California for four years and now I'm I'm back on the East Coast. Cool. I love Oakland. Uh, we have an aunt that lives there and it's she's lived there since the 70s and she oh. loves it. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to, I read your book again this morning and I think it is just so adorable and I love it. And I am so interested in the process for creating the book Space Matter. So Jackie, I guess I'll ask you again first about what it was like to develop the manuscript. And then Lydia, I would love to know your creative process for creating the illustrations. I want to hear that part too. (laughs) (laughs) It was a very long process for me because um, it all started, I had gone to a lecture about architecture and I don't know why I'm not involved in architecture. I just dig it. And they talked about the fact that they mentioned when you walk into a building, that moment of where am I? And you want to get your, you know, your spatial and you want to feel comfortable. And I, it, that resonated with me as somebody who like walks into stores and like, don't talk to me until I can kind of figure out where I am. And I never thought about space that way, as far as you need that moment, that little breathing space to like take everything in. And I swear walking home, I just started seeing spaces and everything about how important the park is. And so it started that way. And just as a thought process. I didn't even, I didn't think about it as a kid's book at all initially, but then it turned into like, that's just a cool concept. And here I am as a grown up, and I've never thought about how important that is. So I wrote the manuscript. I kept changing it and changing it and collecting other stories and spaces and gaps along the way. And when it finally got kind of manuscript ready, I sent it around and my agent, Tanusri, amazingly kind of shaped it into and reminded me to bring it down to a kid's view and chronologically throughout the day. But as far as illustrations, I did not know how conceptually this was going to become on a page at all. All I kept thinking of was negative space and how those things can pop. When I got her illustrations, I was just blown away because it was like everything that was in my brain just kind of, there it is. So. Anyway, so I'm more interested in how she figured out how to <laughs> conceptualize it. Yeah, Lydia, I want to hear that. And I also, I don't want to give away too much of the book, but it's very, it's a very cool uh, sort of like abstract existential sort of plot line that you meander about. And it's about how much different spaces matter. And it's very cool. Sorry, Lydia. Now I want to hear all about your art process. <laughs> oh boy, where to begin? Well, I- I really love this manuscript in part because I I just feel really lucky that I've gotten to work on some books that are a bit more abstract. And, and I love that sort of exploration of what abstract ideas may mean. And um, back in college, speaking again, I, I was really interested in non-spaces or non-places, you know, these sort of transitory Mm-hmm. places or moments in time like like Jackie was just talking about and and I love theories on time itself and so this manuscript was just really exciting but the catch is that as an illustrator I don't like drawing space 
I don't like perspective. <laughs> I don't like a lot of depth. It's just, I think I have issues with my own sort of peripheral vision where everything in life is just super two-dimensional. And <laughs> so this book was both really appealing and also super terrifying because I was thinking, how am I going to draw all this space? So yeah, that was, that was terrifying. <laughs> but like any project, the, the first thing I do is, is read it and break it down. Um, our editor and Hope was amazing and extremely trusting. Sometimes when you are working on a picture book, the editor has already broken up the text for the manuscript. And usually they're pretty receptive if you want to change things around. But in this case, especially because this is such an abstract text and said, uh, why don't you try it? Just run with it. See what makes sense. So. It, it really was a bundle of words that I was going to then pull apart and try to figure out where they should go, how the pacing should be, what image should accompany it. I started with some really crude pencil sketches and figuring out, okay, I want these words here, I want these words there. And for some of the spreads, I would actually draw a few different concepts. I don't want to give anything away about the book, but the first page is pretty simple it it basically says spaces matter and then it says they help make sense of sent sentences so I went ahead and sort of was like okay what what can I show that sort of a zoom in zoom out situation and I brainstormed several different options which I will not tell you about because you will have right to <laughs> it's kind of hard to talk about because it's an abstract idea and every page kind of builds on its page prior we're so peaking <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As I talk about it, I'm thinking, wow, this must be really weird to listen to because you can't see it. Uh, but <laughs> in short, I would send these concepts off to the designer, Mary Claire, and the editor, and, and we would kind of talk through it and figure out, okay, which one seems like it has the most promise or meat to it. And then I would keep developing from there. So that was sort of the initial approach. Then once we figured out what image would go on every page, what image would pair with every piece of writing. It was a matter of sort of tightening up those sketches and then eventually bringing them to color. And for this book, I, I really wanted to push my art, which tends to be very printmaking inspired. So I really like flat shapes, limited palette, some texture, but not overwhelming. Uh, but I didn't want the art to feel too shallow, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, especially because I, the way I approach space is kind of two-dimensional, if, if that makes sense. So I went ahead and played around with some traditional media and ended up scanning in all the line work and layering that on top of the shapes, which I developed digitally. So that's kind of the bulk of the process. That's cool. I think it's interesting how your process has a combination of actual drawing with your hands and then it moves over to a computer too to sort of finalize things i think that's really interesting in some ways it, it's really fitting for the book the whole process of sort of having to go in and out and merging one thing with another i, I feel like kind of mimics what's happening in the book you're seeing things from different perspectives or different point of view i don't know I, the whole process to me felt like it was a journey similar to the one that jackie had written about so it was really enjoyable to work on it I guess thinking more about both of your processes too, what does your day-to-day -day schedule look like when you're creating either art or a manuscript? Well, lately it's been a lot quieter. <laughs> <laughs> 
I try to stick, I'm not the most disciplined person in the world. So I try to stick to at least a morning routine, whereas I'm not a morning person either, but I try to get, I walk in the woods or I try to do some stretches or something. And I always make time to read in the morning so that I have that done and cause that's important to me. And then in the afternoon, I either have a, another kind of like paid work assignment or I go back through, I keep an idea book. I know that sounds nerdy, but I do. And I go back through it because every once in a while, one will like pop up and be like, you need to pay attention to me. So that's the one I'll try to kind of focus on, focus being the operative word. And as back to your initial question, I'm still trying to draw. So I try to practice that or painting every day too. And then I'm also in a very rural area. So if I'm not working, I try to volunteer. That's my day. But as far as like process goes, I, I'm a note taker. I've got drawers and drawers and drawers full of, I'm, I mean, I, I'm amazed that I'm ever able to put everything together to <laughs> make a thought. So like, that's what I said. It's such a, this book is such a process of taking so many little ideas and steps and, and honing it down, honing it down. So like there was a flow to it and that someone else was able to come in and even add texture and color to that. I'm just, I'm, I'm still blown away. Like I said, this is my debut picture book. This is my first time. So I'm still just kind of amazement. I love the, that you have an idea book. I think that sounds great. We even have that too. Like with the podcast, we have, you know, like a running list of episode ideas and it personally helps my brain organize yeah. things a little bit better. So and it's amazing, like too, like by writing it down, like the connections come that you would never have started with. Like I said, this all this book began as a weird architecture creative morning that I went to years ago that just kind of developed and kept percolating in my brain of like that's just like a and it, and now it just feels very pertinent, like how important even a pause is. Yeah. Even now I'm gonna quit talking and let Lydia. <laughs> <laughs> Lydia, what, what's your day look like? What do you do? It's probably similar to a lot of other people's days. I, I get up. I like to be up early in the morning. And I usually start with a walk outside because it's a pandemic and I don't go anywhere else. Right. And then the rest of my day is spent inside largely at my desk drawing. I carve out time to read in the afternoon and I've <laughs> been carving out time to write too. So as much as Jackie may be in awe of the illustration process, I'm in awe of the writing process because I can't tell you how painful it is. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> been so working painful. on books. <laughs> it's like the, the, I don't know, the work that just keeps on coming. As far as the actual practice of illustration goes, it's kind of, it's more or less the same every time around. I get a, a manuscript or a brief or an assignment and I start with sketches. I send those along, I get some feedback, I move on to refine sketches, send those along, get some feedback, and then go for a color finish. And I'd say that I approach everything in more or less the same way, that sort of problem solving in my brain, how am I going to use color or, or line or space or whatever is, is more or less the same. But it feels like every single illustration, I have to sort of figure it, it all out all over again, even though I have these tools and these methods that are built in. Sometimes when I go to bring a piece to finish, 
I'm still just as uncertain and scratching my head. Should I use this color or this color? Should I use overlays here or not? It's both familiar and, and foreign every time I complete a piece, which I think keeps it really exciting and, and opens the door to try new things. I am so impressed with authors and illustrators, authors, because picture books are only 350, 400 words average. And it's so impressive that you can have a story arc within that small amount of wording. I think sometimes there's a big misconception where people think it's easy to write children's books. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And that's where you get a lot of ones that are maybe self-published and don't go through the rigorous editing process that, mm. you know, like a publishing house will do. And I probably have 30 versions of this before I send it out. And then there's probably another 30 that my agent and I went through because she's a really great editor too. And then Anne is obviously incredible. And so it just kept getting shaped and shaped and shaped. So the concept was always there, but it, it, it's not easy. <laughs> yeah, the, it, everything is just so beautifully finessed in, yeah. you know, the, the best of picture books. And of course, I'm impressed with anybody with artistic talent. Can I commandeer the podcast for a hot minute and ask Jackie a- a question? Absolutely. <laughs> commandeer away. <laughs> well, I, I'm kind of curious, you know, you're just talking about the number of edits and revisions you do to the manuscript yourself with your agent, with the editor. When the book is, now that it's published and you have it in hand, does it feel done or do you read it and go, I could still play with that? No, I almost cried <laughs> when I held it. We just, I just got a box of books. I hope you did too the other day. And I know okay. it, it, I'm... Well, maybe that sounds vain, but I'm so pleased with it. <laughs> and I feel like it almost speaks to, I hope it speaks to the grown-ups too. You're a grown-up. Oh, I, I, the, <laughs> <laughs> it spoke to me. No, no, I think it's wonderful. I was just curious if there's ever a feeling of, I guess, finality when you're writing. And not to put this book on the spot, but just. Oh, no, there's, there's always. Like, I always feel like, should I use that kind of this word? Should I have been funny here? Should I have been more serious? Do I need to put more of a message or a meaning? I tend to, because I'm so attracted to the art side of things, like I tend to, you probably saw, I try to like include art notes when they're not needed because you guys already know what you're doing. <laughs> so, you know, so it's like, uh, I had to also learn to like kind of step back and like let everyone who knows what they're doing. I, I, I felt confident in what in the concept and my wording. But yeah, but it took a while to get there. And like this isn't the first one I've written. It's the first one I've sold. And woo boy, mm. I went back through some old ones and I'm glad that they didn't see the light of day. <laughs> but yeah, so so I yeah, I, I'm very pleased with how it came out. And like your, your and your fish and your fishbowl um, recommendation. That was the only like, really the only edit, and it was like, oh, I know a word for this already. The abode. We can't. It's so weird. Nobody's seen the, the book yet. Hopefully, maybe you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we have a fun secret. Uh, yeah. My my physical copy is on the way, and I'm really excited to hold it in my hands. But I've read um, an ebook copy. Oh. Is that- 
the publicist sent over and I'm so excited for it to be out in the world. And I also do feel like very cool that I get to read books before they come out. It's like a dream come true. It is. That is very cool. I have to give a quick nod to to Mary Claire again, who's the designer on the book, because I'm just super thrilled with how the physical form of the book turned out. We have these really beautiful matte stock pages, which I have to be honest, I am not a fan of glossy paper for picture books. I was I was delighted that from the in papers to everything it feels nice. It's yeah, so hard to it's really nice. <laughs> yeah, and make sure you flip off the dust jacket because it oh, the I case did. underneath is different. <laughs> I will show you, Corey. You get a you get a sneak sneak peek. Ooh, sorry, listeners. Oh, cool. I love it when book covers are different from the dust jackets. I know that some people don't, but I I feel like it's another secret that you get to discover yes. when you're reading a book. Agreed. And that's what's fun about, the, I feel like, again, I'm going to sound vain, but Lydia, it's, I'm going to give Lydia this credit. I, 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 You really find something new on every page. You flip back to see like, <laughs> oh, now it makes sense, or I get that now. I love it. <laughs> Good. Can I say that about I'm my I'm glad. Book? <laughs> no, you should. You should feel proud. You did you did a very badass thing. So I'm excited that we like, get to chat about it. <laughs> I mean, picture books are so interesting because in some ways they're these really collaborative projects, but in other ways, I mean, this is the first time Jackie and I are, are talking together, which seems right. kind of, I'm, I mean, we've chatted over the internet a little bit, but there is also so much trust and I guess that your, you know, your editor and your designer are really, everybody's kind of putting their trust in them and then they're putting their trust back out and, and you, the illustrator, you, the author, and then it all kind of comes together. But it's sort of this, this weird form of collaboration. And so it, it's really exciting to get the manuscript and then to see it all put together. And I, um, I, it's like we experience the book in reverse order. I experience it as sort of a, a naked collection of words. And that's, that's how I experienced you know, Jackie's part of the collaboration and she experiences it as sort of a finished book. <laughs> right. All the way yeah. on the other end. Yeah, that's, that's the so other true. thing. I don't, I don't think everybody realizes that unless you're an author illustrator, you don't really have agency over that and, and the publishing house mm-hmm. does. And so I was delighted when I saw the mock-ups. I was like, nope, nope she got it. She gets it. it and so, it, it, but it is a very bizarre process because like I said, a long time ago when I worked in advertising stuff, I worked with an art director, you bounce ideas, you brainstorm. This is totally like sending it out on trust and faith, but yeah, she got it right. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how many people realize that it's not, even, even when we're not in a pandemic, it's not a collaborative process most of the time. It's generally very separate with like check-ins, which I was personally really surprised to learn when I started learning more about the whole publishing process. And Lydia, I love the phrase naked collection of words. Like, (laughs) would I use that for an emo band name? Absolutely. (laughs) Like future band name, but it's it's an appropriate description. First of all, Lydia, I'm so glad you commandeered the podcast because that was a fascinating (sighs) bit of conversation. Uh, which sounds facetious. So many firsts on this. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm really dying to know, especially because you two are both book creators, you know, sort of what do you look for in a picture book when you're going to the store, getting a gift for somebody? 
I'm an art snob, obviously, this is probably <laughs> coming through. So like, I really, I'm, you know, resting art speaks to me, but I love books that make you think that don't talk down to kids, but like empower them and make them feel like they're thinking and have an aha moment too. I like humor. I like concepts that you can return to. I don't know, shared humanity, basically. Yeah. I feel like we all read, well, I'm of a certain age. <laughs> there was just certain kids books that like, everybody read and there's just my goodness there's such an explosion of voices now and that's exciting to see so i don't know every every new book is going to be my next favorite book to read <laughs> i feel that way too every yeah. time i get a book in the mail <laughs> i'm sure lydia what do you look for uh when you're picking out a picture book i'd be lying if i didn't say i was looking very heavily at the art <laughs> that is definitely probably the thing that will draw me to a book. Though I, I try to be really cognizant that I can't let my art preferences interfere with what may be a great story. So I really try to pick up anything or, or flip through any book on the shelf and, and see how the story is. But my favorite is when you have that just a, a great melding of author and illustrator, whether they're the same person or two different people. And I like Jackie, I mean, I, I love books that push kids to think, you know, I don't, kids are smart and I don't think books need to be, you know, dumbed down for them or anything like that. I love big, complex, difficult feelings, abstract emotions that people find a way to translate really simply and beautifully into picture books, you know, like, dealing with loss or with joy or I mean every emotion is pretty complex it's not just smiley faces and and books that can achieve that are are really wonderful I know you're going to ask us our recommended books at the end but uh, <laughs> throw it in now <laughs> chaos I mean it's hard to say what do you look for and then not cite something but a book from the past couple of years that I really love is whale in a fishbowl and it, it's basically about a, a whale named Wednesday that's caught in a fishbowl uh, and what it's like to live in a fishbowl in the middle of a city rather than out in the ocean and I, I think the reason I'm often drawn towards you know anthropomorphic animals or objects is, is because they're just such a good device to get across these harder to communicate emotions that if you put them on a human it it might might almost be too visceral or something you know what I mean you can you can use um, a metaphor or something really beautifully to get a, across a, a feeling of, of longing or of isolation or what have you um, so I, I mean but I also just love funny books and goofy books I think the stinky cheese man is probably the reason I got into picture books to begin with it was my favorite book as a child it's hilarious. It has fantastic illustrations. I, I do remember reading that as a child and being like, books are allowed to be gross. Right. Like, you can be <laughs> silly just to be silly. It yeah, they don't revelation. have to be so. I mean, like, it's nice when a message can be in there, but it's like, it's kind of under, under the layers, you know, the message vessel, like the will. Yeah. Which I... Honestly, I am of two minds with the anthropomorphism because I feel, you know, Lydia, like you, that it can be a really good vehicle to sort of explain an overarching metaphor, but then coupled with the research that children develop empathy better with human characters, it I am always sort of thinking about where 
like what's the best age? Like, should we start with animals mm. and then move to humans where it's like that gray space sort of that I love to think about? And you yeah, know, yeah. What big concepts should we use animals for? What ones should we use humans for? You know, and brains. Brains are so fascinating right. and kids are so smart. <laughs> well, that's interesting yeah. that you're this because even when I was writing the book, I wasn't, I didn't picture kids or anything. I was just picturing almost more like kind of like just, like I said, just real negative space, almost like just simple one little teeny thing. So, but now, like I said, when I received this, it was like, I saw it in a whole different way. And there's so much different representation in this book. And there's animals and there's humans, again, not to give anything away, but, um, and they all. (laughs) (laughs) The whole book has been spoiled. (laughs) Animals and humans everywhere. Amazing. (laughs) Like, imagine that. But anyways, whatever. Lydia, you take that one. <laughs> no, I, th- I think that's a really excellent point, and I, I don't think it's an either or. I don't. I I definitely love animals. I mean, I love the real thing animals, but I also love drawing animals. But this book, for example, I it I think I probably could have not put people in it. I don't think, to your point, it would have been quite as resonant or effective. And and I think there's right. a story. You know, some stories demand. In, in some ways having people so that you can connect in that really sort of one-on-one way. And, and then there's also just representation. You know, it's really important to be able mm-hmm. to be a kid and to be able to open up a book and see someone that looks like you or has a family like you or celebrates traditions like you. And there sometimes animals can get that concept across, but I think sometimes you really just need to see little, little drawn people in there so that you feel like you're being seen. For sure. Jackie and I are both nodding vigorously along with this while we're listening, (laughs) (laughs) which is the only downfall of an audio experience. So (laughs) we have been talking for so long, but I still have so many more questions for you. So I guess I am interested in especially Jackie, because you are newly into the publishing industry and Lydia, you have been around, uh, you know, creating beautiful art for a while. I'm interested to hear both of your thoughts on the publishing industry and if you think things will begin to shift now based on the last six months, especially with the uprisings, which in my opinion are incredibly long overdue, and then also sort of the pandemic. Let's hope. Uh, There's been a lot of talk for a long time to bring in true diversity, but that needs to start also like with staff and authors and content, whether it's talking about gender or race or disability. Um, we need to make more space still for marginalized voices and then get books into the hands of the kids that will enjoy and benefit and see themselves. And not just in characters. Uh, I don't know. I think we're all learning. I'm still learning to be, you know, we need to be anti-racist. We need to be allies. We need to show up, we need to listen, and it's not just voting, like we need to support. So um, in publishing, and it, that even includes uh, publications, like reviewers need to be not so many men. There needs to be more women, non-binary, like, I don't know, there's still a lot of work to do, but I think that, um, like I said earlier, there's, there is more diverse voices, at least in kids' books, and I think kids are starting to see themselves in those, represented in those books. 
So let's hope. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Lydia, how about you? Like the two of you, I, I hope so. And it, it's one of those things where it, it's really going to take the people in power stepping aside and, and empowering other people to make these decisions or to create these spaces. You know, if if the people in charge, and I say that very broadly, not just in publishing, but in general, don't right advocate any of their power, then things can't change. I think, you know, representation is so key. And it's not just, I, I feel like as a white illustrator, I don't want to squander any opportunity to reflect what, what the world is in my illustrations, right? I don't, I don't want to take that lightly. It's a great responsibility. And when working on a book like Space Matters, I was really, I tried to be really thoughtful about what kind of children I was depicting. And if I was a kid sitting down with this book, would I, would I feel seen? Even though this book isn't about anything right. like racial justice or anything like that. And I think that's one really, really important component when, when making books is that it just reflects what the world is, is like uh, and isn't homogenous or something like that. But then on the other hand, we, we just need creators that are, you know, people of color, uh, different levels of, you know, ability or disability, but different religions as well, different, a, a sense of, you know, socioeconomic status, or, you know, I was looking at a, in preparation of this reading a lot of books, and it occurred to me that a lot of the picture books that are, do such a beautiful job addressing diversity usually take place in a city, and that city usually looks like New York City. And that's, <laughs> that's true. I mean, New York City is is a big, beautiful, diverse city, but I, in that sense, you know, that same sentiment of feeling seen, there are kids that live in, you know, rural or suburban areas that don't look as diverse as New York City, but there is still some diversity. And, and again, feeling sort of seen or seeing, reading books that show something that's more akin to their experience is really important. I mean, so at the end of the day, we just, you know, we need more people in power that can bring these important and real to life experiences to the forefront and we need to give more space for creators so that you know when a kid reads a book it's awesome to see yourself in a book reflected in a book it's twice as awesome to then see that the author and or illustrator is someone who also looks like you or has an experience like you that's just right. so powerful and the kids that read books today are the kids that are going to make books tomorrow so, you know, there is sort of a huge responsibility that we all have to make these books. I just wish I could convey, convey like how hard I'm nodding right now just to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to vocally say that that was very eloquent and very nicely said. I write down things. <laughs> I'm more eloquent on the page than I am when I'm speaking. I get a little nervous, but no, totally. We More, like that was the word right there. Yeah. Yeah more of everything. And honestly, I am not joking when I say I could sit here like all day and just chat with you, but we have gone longer than we typically do, which also, you know, <laughs> happens during great conversation. Don't you dare apologize. <laughs> I will not accept it. And so really quickly before we sign off, what is one of the best books that you've read so far this year? For adults or kids? You pick. Oh, <laughs> hard. I've been reading a lot, but my TBR pile just keeps growing. Same. Like how to do nothing because of yeah, <laughs> it was great. 
uh, Nickel Boys, Red at the Bone. As far as kids' books, I'm looking forward to the new Sophie Blackall and Carson Ellis, who I adore everything she does. And she's got a new one coming out called In the Half Room. So oh, lots to read. Yeah, those sound great. Lydia, how about you? I know you already mentioned the one about the whale and the fishbowl, but what's another one? Yeah, that's a fantastic one. I'd also recommend You Matter, uh, written and illustrated by Christian Robinson. It just oh. has a beautiful body of work, and it's it's just the book we all need right now. Yes. I'd also recommend I Wonder by uh, K.A. Holt and illustrations by Kennard Pack. It's another, it's just a book about asking questions, which is so lovely. And gosh, I could just go on and on. Uh, but <laughs> as far as a, adult reading, I just finished reading um, uh, Heavy by K.C. Lehman. And that was what a read. Uh, couldn't recommend it enough. Cool. Those sound great. I haven't read that yet, but my my adult TBR tends to take like a backseat to all the picture books, but I do <laughs> I do need to like sneak some adult books in there. So unfortunately, this is where we end our conversation. So thank you both so much to illustrator Lydia Nichols and author Jacqueline Schiller, the dynamic duo behind the newly released <laughs> picture book Space Matters. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day today to chat with me. Well, thank you for doing oh, this. What you're doing yeah like, thank I, you so I, much I just added my tbr tbr pile <laughs> i'm living my <laughs> best life being able to talk to awesome creators and then about social justice and children's books it's it's a dream dream project it's important yeah. too <laughs> yeah all right thank you so so much Thank you so much for listening to the picture books to gang podcast interview series picture books and justice if you like what you hear, you can always subscribe to wherever podcasts are downloaded, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and now Amazon. Thank you so much. And if you wouldn't mind leaving a review, that would be great too. Have a good day.